everybody. Welcome again to Around Our Community. I'm Jason Jones. We have John Wagner and Wes Alday, our producer in the studios. And we're joined today with Jennifer Wright. Hey, Jennifer, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Jennifer is currently an assistant district attorney over in Baldwin County. I am. Of course, Jennifer, you've served many years as the assistant district attorney here in Mobile County. I have been. I've been in Mobile County uh, almost all of my career until just very recently when I left in November from the DA's office so that I could run for the district court bench. Judge Hardesty is retiring and I have left the DA's office and I'm running for that seat. And so while I'm doing that, I'm working in Baldwin County in the DA's office. That is fantastic. So tell us a little bit about yourself. We want to kind of open up the floor and, and you tell us a little bit about your background and, and kind of so everyone can know who you are. So I grew up, I'm a transplant. I drew. I grew up in North Alabama in Florence in that area in the northwest part of the state and went to law school, knew I wanted to be a prosecutor. And when I came out of law school, my first and second year, I clerked in the DA's office up in North Alabama and the DA up in that uh, part of the county said, hey, you need to go down and work with John Tyson. He's got a lot of great things going on in Mobile. You need to go work in Mobile and clerk in that office. So between my second and third year of law school, I came down to Mobile, worked part of the summer in Birmingham, part of the time in Mobile, was only here for maybe two to three days. It wasn't long. Called my parents and they said, you're not coming back, are you? And I said, nope, I found my home. So I went back to law school, finished up my third year and the day I graduated, moved straight back to Mobile. Loved it. Loved the Gulf Coast. Mm -hmm. Loved everything about it. And I've been here for about 20 years. That's fantastic. I, too, um, I'm originally from closer to Montgomery. And um, my first job was down in Mobile Mm -hmm. after I finished school. Internship in Mobile. And, well, my internship, actually, in Montgomery, my first job was in Mobile. And I fell in love with Mobile. Found my wife in Mobile. And I will never leave Mobile. It's Mm -hmm. just my home now. Exactly. That water draws you back in. The water draws (laughs) you in every time. It really does. It does. A little bit of paradise. So, I've got a question because I've never understood this because I hear people uh, in in your world uh, make that reference of I clerked at. What does clerking mean? So I have no clue. When you um, clerking is when you work for a judge, you'll do research for them, help manage the docket. You don't have to have passed the bar yet. And most people are studying for the bar, or sometimes they'll stay as a clerk even after they've um, taken the bar exam and have gotten their results, but waiting to go to a different place to work. Um, I clerked down here in between law school. I clerked as a just a law clerk in the DA's office. And then after I graduated, I clerked for a, a, several months with Judge Lockett until I got a position that was opened in the DA's office in Mobile. Okay, thank you. So talk to us about your experience in the district attorney's office, kind of what type of cases you worked with and and just really your experience inside the office. Because I think you worked on the, the murder team for a long time. I did. You know, being a prosecutor is one of the greatest things that you can do. And it has really been my passion. And I've been involved in um, every different aspect of prosecution of cases from district court. I've handled juvenile court. I've done grand jury, um, doing grand jury now in Baldwin County. I've uh, spent the majority of my career, though, the last 11 years in on the murder team here in Mobile County. So handling homicide cases and one of some of the most rewarding and most difficult cases you can work on. But being a prosecutor and an assistant district attorney is really a different legal legal profession than any other attorney. Other attorneys have a duty to their client. And as a prosecutor, you have a duty to the truth and you represent all of the people of Mobile County and. I've done that, and I've, and I've loved doing that. I've loved uh, being a part of serving people in Mobile County and, and being a prosecutor. 
it is interesting, and that's one of the things we've talked about with some of our other guests. As a prosecutor, you know, you you do have a, a responsibility for the truth, and that means a lot of times the 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 both people that are in the courtroom, you're you're really at, at some point, you know, looking after the interest of both people. It's not just looking after the interest of a, a plaintiff. It's it's truly looking out for what is the truth about the situation. That's exactly right. And again, being a prosecutor doesn't mean you represent one side or the other. It just means that you um, are there to find the truth and you're there to find, get justice, whatever that may be. And there's, you know, times where you have to make tough calls and you have to say to a victim's family that may have lost someone, hey, we don't have enough to charge this case. Right. We just don't have enough. Or, you know, there may be something where the case has been charged, but due to the time, you just aren't able to prosecute it and have those, you know, difficult conversations with them to say, you know, we we can't do this under the law. We, we cannot prove these elements and have to make tough decisions. And then, you know, there are times that you can go into court and really fight for them. But right. it's really a, a job of, of, of seeking the truth in, in each of those cases. Very good. Yeah, it's got to be difficult when you know that something has happened and you just don't have enough evidence to prove it. And then you're listening to people tell their sides of the story. And you, you know that, you know, again, and that's got to be a very difficult position to be in, knowing that you've got the power to make something happen, but just can't. And then have to see, the, you know, how that affects the people on the other side who are hoping that you can. Yeah, those are very difficult conversations to have with family members. I think some of the hardest conversations are to have those that are investigations and cases that we haven't solved. Or even some that, like you said, we may know or think we know who did the crime, but we don't have enough to charge them. And having that just that unended opening question for that family and not having that closure, not having that peace about them and not having justice served is, is a very difficult um, part of the process. But again, it, you know, being a prosecutor is about finding the truth and it's about following the law. And it's important, you know, if we, in the times that we can't, we don't have enough that we do what, what we're, what our duty is to do. Yeah. Well, and, and even if you do have all of those pieces together, if this goes to trial still at the end of the day, it's left in the hands of the jury. You're right. So even if you've got everything and you feel like you've got, you know, a slam dunk case, there's still that unknown element, which is how's the jury going to go with this? And I say there's no slam dunk case in 124 right. <laughs> jury trials. Plus there's yeah. no slam dunk case. I've had cases where I thought These, this is so difficult This that you know, we'll never get a verdict and a jury would, you know, has come back very quickly. And then I've had some that were easy and confessions or, you know, something on video and the juries are out or, you know, the jury is out for a, a longer period of time. So there's no, yeah. no such thing as that. You never know what's going to happen when 12 people start deliberating that case. Well, I'm sure that, you know, adding the, the media element to it today, uh, media, social media elements of it. Uh, I know you've been involved in some pretty high profile file uh, cases there being part of that murder team, which I'm sure come under a lot of media scrutiny uh, that's on there. So do you, do you have any of those that uh, see there's a couple of them on your website that you talk about, but uh, any of those that come to mind? So there are a lot of them that I've tried over the years and I, you know, I'll tell people, they always ask me how long, you know, how, how have you done it for this long? And, you know, and doesn't this affect you? That's a question that I get a lot. And um, absolutely it affects me. And you take each one of those cases and they're, you know, they're a part of you and they're will always be a part of you and the um 
that, you know, I'll see a family member years later and every single detail of that case will come flooding back into my mind. And or I'll see something that flashes, you know, before me that reminds me of a case. And they um, they all become a part of who you are because you become connected with that family and and with that victim because you're their voice. And um, when no one else is. So certainly Hawaii Robinson and her death, eight year old little girl that was killed. That case is one that was a. A very high profile case here in Mobile County and a very difficult case. And um, that was one that will always stay with me. I've stayed in contact with that family and um, her family. And it was a, a very difficult case at the time. Also having a small child and, and handling that kind of case is, is not a, not was was not an easy thing, and then uh, obviously the John and Ke- John Heather Keaton and John DeBlaze case, big cases here in Mobile. Both of them were convicted for killing two children, and at the time my child was very small. Again, those are difficult cases because when you're talking about being in trial for multiple weeks, uh, Heather Keaton was the first female in Mobile County to ever be given the death penalty. When you're talking about being in trial for multiple weeks in those kind of cases, and then you know we're still human. We're even though we're a prosecutor and we work really hard and we go home and we're a wife and I'm a mother and I go home and have to, you know, put my baby in the crib at that time. So those are difficult cases and and certainly things that you um, that stick in your mind. And then you meet amazing people along the way and uh, family members I've met that have this just a most amazing grace about them and um, just forgiveness and love that I, I can't imagine in the situation that they've been through, how they can handle themselves the way they have. And uh, Delonda Anderson's family was one of those. And she was killed going to work on the interstate one morning. And, you know, you just meet some people, you meet people like her family and you meet people like the Morrises, Kayleigh Morris, who was killed by Stephen um, Mason and Adam Miller mobile infirmary nurse and you meet those people and and you remember you know those are just two of of the many of why you do what you do and uh, you see such a spirit of um uh, just of of grace about them i guess is the the right way to describe them so yeah you end up seeing some of the best and some of the worst of times i think right absolutely for sure and that's got to be difficult when you're you know Eight to five, and it's um, understand. Oh, there's no eight to five in this job. (laughs) So the you know the forty to hundred twenty hours a week you're putting into this, whatever the number is, during that time frame, you're seeing and reading and visually seeing pictures of probably from evidence the worst of society, the worst of this world, and then absolutely. Like you said, you're you're a wife, you're a mother. when you come home, how how do you disconnect that and step into the home life? I mean, it's got to be extremely difficult to be able to separate the two. You know, for me, I just I have a very strong faith, and I um, I uh, believe in you know that there is um, someone that you know I believe in God and the Lord of my life, and I put my faith and trust in Him, and each day I just turn that over to Him and do what I can do for those families. But um, I just that that's my way, and that's my. Um, a way of handling those those things that I've seen that are difficult and I know that God put me in the place that I am for a reason and so I just do what I can in the best way I can to serve those people and to serve Mobile County but and um, you know at the end of the day I, I try to turn that back over to him it's a great answer it is, it that's, is a great answer that's the only I mean that's I told I've learned that's the only way I've been able to cope with it for this long we're not on video anymore but I'm smiling from ear to ear <laughs> So, Jennifer, I, I can imagine 
every bit of that that you learned, every little bit of that that you've learned and through the experience and every bit just transcends over to the new role that, that, you know, if you're elected into the district judge position, every bit of that that you just talked about, that, that is exactly what you want out of someone who is your district judge, someone who's looking for the truth, someone who can be impartial and, and can, can really look and see what's being cut through um, in the courtroom. Kind of, kind of walk me through that aspect. I, of it. I agree. And I think that that's what everybody wants for a, from yes. a judge in general is someone that will be fair, someone that is a, a good and honest and ethical person and someone that will, that knows the law and will apply, apply it fairly, even in the tough, tough cases. And I get that question a lot of, you know, how can you be fair because you've been a prosecutor? So don't you think you'll lean, you know, towards one way instead of another way um, in these cases? And what I I can say is that I've been in battle in in court for victims' families, but I've also made tough calls and dismissed cases when there wasn't enough evidence. And anyone that knows me knows that I will be fair and do the right thing. And I feel like the also you just pray in your heart for discernment as a judge and, and pray for that wisdom that God gives you in making those tough decisions and, and doing what's right in, in whatever the case that comes before you and following the law. I think based on your earlier answers, actually, you know, people should not question that aspect of it because you really talked about, you know, I'm, I'm there looking for the truth. I'm not there on one side or the other side. I am looking for the truth. And I think that is what you want from a, even from a judge. I right. Mean, I certainly would want that from a prosecutor, but I absolutely want that and, and expect that from a judge that's sitting there that wants to know the truth of the, the situation. So, so absolutely. It, yeah. With, with that being said, can you, can you explain to our listeners a little bit about what that district judge spot is, uh, yes. what, what all that entails. So the district court judge is going to be, the best way to describe it for um, everyone is they're the front line to, uh, they're the first line of judges that that see defendants whenever they're arrested. They handle the bond hearings. They'll handle arraignments and preliminary hearings, probable cause hearings in all types of cases, murder cases, um, all the way down to, you know, any other property crimes or uh, even drug cases. They'll handle preliminary hearings for those. They'll handle bench trials on misdemeanors, and they'll also handle some civil cases as well, up to $20,000. That's the cap. After that, if there's a claim of civil claim, it would go to a circuit court judge. But the big thing that everyone in this community uh, cares about, I think, the most from a district court judge is the issue of the bonds, because they're the ones that set the bonds. And when an individual is arrested for a crime, they're the ones that makes the determination as to whether they're held on a high bond, a no bond, a low bond, or what that uh, bond is going to be set for. How do you make the determination on that? How, how is that determination made? So there is a guideline in from the Alabama Supreme Court uh, in regards to that. But there's a it's a, ver- a wide variety of, okay. of um, an amount that can be set. That's really within the judge's discretion in that guideline. And in Alabama, one of the issues that we've had is that the only offense that can be given a no bond is a capital murder offense. And so in the ballot or on the ballot in November is Anaya's law. And I don't know if you remember, Anaya was a young girl that was killed out of Auburn and her family went to battle to get that legislation put on the, on the uh, ballot in November. That's going to give district court judges and judges more discretion in setting no bond in violent offenders. Okay. As, as the district judge, do you have, and, and this is just my, my lack of knowledge of, of all the different types of judges that we may have. And I, I know a few, but, um, all the judges we would have in, in Mobile County. But is, is there a, 
you have autonomy kind of as as the as the judge as a district judge or is there kind of a a um, hierarchical aspect of the the judgeships is that so I, I guess um, it, yeah I guess the answer to the question the circuit judges circuit court judges would be considered a, they're the trial judges and they're okay. in the hierarchy I guess they would be the higher uh, judge position and then in the district court judges will be the ones handling like bench trials, uh, again, preliminaries well, and bond hearing, but no jury trials. I guess. I, I, OK, so the district judge does not do jury trials. That's correct. OK, OK. That's why I, that, I, that's, I was kind of wondering if if I guess I was trying to figure out if there was if, if each individual judge can have their own autonomy in in their court to do kind of their thing inside of their court or if there was a a, you know, like a. The chief judge, like like on the Supreme Court, you have the chief justice right. that manages or I think manages the Supreme Court. And you do have a presiding judge here and a presiding judge over the district bench as okay. well. But, um, you know, it's really the circuit bench and then the district court bench. But even though and for I've tried, you know, multiple 120 plus jury trials, the laws and the rules of evidence that you learn through those all of those cases, even though you are not doing jury trials as a district court judge, you're still handling cases where all of those laws and those rules of evidence apply on bench trials and, and all different aspects of the cases that you're handling. And so it's important that you have those that knowledge and that background. Okay, very good. So you've been in the, the current role, I think you said almost two decades now, right? <laughs> Long time. I'm an old timer there. <laughs> <laughs> um, what made you decide to want to take this next step in your career? So interestingly enough, I really felt like God was calling my heart in a different way of service. I was a little bit scared and afraid to jump into this world. I'm not a politician. I'm not into the political arena or world, and um, but felt like God was calling my heart in a different place of service and using the experience that I've had and using my experience as a prosecutor, using the experience that I've had working with the people that I've worked with in law enforcement and the things that I've seen and using that experience and bringing that to the bench. And it was uh, the time that I felt like it was the right time for me to do this and felt like he was really wanting me to do this. And so I just really just stepped out and felt like I needed to be obedient in what I felt like God wanted me to do next in my life. Jennifer, how is your relationship like with the law enforcement community with our with our I guess you'd be working with both. uh, We have a potential new incoming sheriff and great relationship with all of them. Law enforcement is one of my huge supporters in in this, as you can imagine, because I've worked with so many of them for years. And um, Sam Cochran is supporting and backing me. Um, Jimmy Barber, he was Mm -hmm. the former chief and then public safety director now is the um Chief of Staff for Mayor Stempson is supporting and backing me and so many in law enforcement. My husband was in law enforcement for 15 years at the Mobile Police Department and then left there and is now an investigator with a civil firm. So certainly I have had a lot of, um, due to that relationship with them over the years, a lot of support from the law enforcement group. And it's something that I really appreciate and feel very humbled by because they're, I see what they do every day. You know, for all that you talk about what I see and what I have to look at with the files, they go out and live it every day. And right. they, they they really work hard to keep our community safe. And then same thing, they have to go home and, you know, coach Little League and, and be a dad and be a, a many different roles in their life. And those law enforcement officers that we have in this community do a wonderful job at making sure that we um, we all live our lives you know, safe and, and be able to go home to our families without any um, crime happening to us. 
Absolutely. Wes, so, I know you so, have a closing question that you always like to ask. Yeah, we'll get there. Uh, so well, first thing, though, is uh, primary. So tell us, uh, when, when's the primary coming up? Do you have a primary challenger? I do. That? Okay. I have a, the primary is going to be on May 24th. That will be um, Tuesday, and that's the Republican primary. I have two other people in the race on the Republican ticket, and there is no one on the race on the Democratic ticket. So it's going to be important that everyone get out and vote on May 24th because that's going to be really what wins or loses this race. It's going to be determined on that Republican ticket. Uh, two other individuals, one is named John Williams, not the John Williams that's the city council member, but he is an attorney here in town. And then the second is uh, someone by the name of Chris Callahan that is also running on the, the Republican ticket. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so we'll close out there then with the, the final question, which is uh, kind of end of the day, end of the line, when, when the chapter in the history books is written about Jennifer Wright, what would you want it to say? That I honored God in my words and my actions and that I was somebody that was obedient to what he wanted for my life and that I did the very best with raising my children that same way and that I brought that in my faith and who I am to the bench as well. Excellent. Excellent. Fantastic. So t- tell us a little bit about how people can find you if they're interested in supporting your campaign, if they're interested in getting involved and helping out. Uh, where, where can they find more info about you? So you can go to www.jenniferwrightforjudge.com. And we have a website. We're also on Facebook, uh, Jennifer Wright for District Court Judge. And you can go to the Pine, Bro- Pine Brooks um, Shopping Center at uh, Airport McGregor. There's some black iron gates and an office behind there. And they have all of the yard signs. You can get any of those things. We would love to have that support and, you know, really spread the word to everyone you know. May is a very quick time frame coming up, only, you know, three months or so away. So, you know, it's, a, again, just telling everybody you know, passing it along. And what we say is it's the time to vote the right way. In the right way. I like that. That's strong. I do too. I like Vote that. Vote for the right judge the right way. <laughs> Very mm-hmm. good. Jennifer, thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks so much for us. having me. Wish I appreciate you the best it, of luck. Guys. We'll definitely say a prayer for you. Thanks. For I appreciate strong. it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.